scared the shit out of me. We are live, officially live. We uh, had a little bit of a technical issue to begin with, but we're here nonetheless. As you guys know, we come at you guys with the heat at the Cash Geeks Network mm -hmm. every Tuesday night, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Today's 6.32, but that's okay. Um, dude, are you ready for tonight's show? I'm hype. I'm, I'm actually really excited. Really, I, really excited. I think this is a topic that we've been trying to understand yep. for a while. Um, and we have Chris Noggle coming on. Um, he has so much knowledge in pretty much a lot of the industries that we're in, the real estate space. Yep. Um, when Because I know him as the money guy. And then when he was telling me about all the shit he used to do in real estate, I was like, holy shit, I had no idea you did all that. And um this hot sexy topic of like infinite banking and yep. all this stuff whole life insurance policies and uh let's just bring chris on the show what's up gentlemen what's up man what's up chris how are you man doing good i was doing even better when you guys said we could have beers so i'm gonna officially crack open the beer and get ready for this one awesome man well thank you so much for doing this bro i know you're a busy guy and uh, I know you've been on, on a lot bigger podcast than the Cash Geeks Network, so we're, we're happy to have you, man. Um, I'm honored to be here, man. You know, anybody that's part of Boardroom and that I get to circle with, that's that's the place I want to be. Awesome. Hey, um, can we turn him up a little bit? Check one, two. Hello, testing, cool. I testing. don't know if it's your mic or if it's our headphones. Is it our headphones that are low? Mike? Can you say, hey, I'm Chris? Hey, I'm Chris. Oh, that's Sounds better. Decent. That's better, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, let's get cool. it going. So, dude, really quick. Uh, you used to be a professional snowboarder? I did for a long time. How long? And how did that happen? I think it was 18 or 19 when I went pro and uh, my career officially ended um, when I was 34 in Mammoth when I overshot one of the jumps there. And that was pretty much, I couldn't make it back after that. Wow. So I did a lot of stuff in between there, but that was the range that I did it. That's crazy. And I, I just, I, when I saw that, I just wanted to pick your brain on that really quickly because I want to know like, some of the top things as a professional athlete that have carried on with you into your career of real estate investing um, and, and everything that you're doing now. Yeah, I think there's, there's several things, but the, the single thing I would probably say is it's just you versus the mountain, you know, whatever, whatever contest you're in, whatever filming you're doing, it's <clears throat> you in the mountain. You don't have a team. You don't have anybody to call. It's just, you know, you just got to go for it. And, uh, you know, that, that I think has helped me a lot in business. You know, mm -hmm. I, I know a lot of team sports and I, I played several of them. You always have, you know, another teammate that you can kind of, you know, have help you out a little bit in snowboarding, skateboarding, all the, the sports I did. It was just you. So it was always just, you were your own worst enemy and mm -hmm. uh, you had to overcome fear every day. And in business, we have to overcome fear every single day as well. So I think one of the biggest things is snowboarding just prepared me to go out there and to leap and uh, go after whatever the hell it was I wanted. No, that's, that's awesome. Number one thing. Yeah, that, that's awesome because I, I do think that there is something about those one-on-one -on -one sports. Um, it's funny because I didn't even think about it for like snowboarding and skateboarding. I, 
I always think of like like wrestling or like weightlifting, right? It's just you versus you in a way. Um, and that's that's a great point. So now coming back into kind of like the theme of this of this podcast, you know, we're we're a real estate podcast. So how long have you been in the real estate game? 2006 for getting that right. 2006 was my very first flip I ever did. I was uh, this beat up old farmhouse out in Gasport, New York. And uh, I, I had watched a, a video, like a, a TV show of a guy flipping a house. And I'm like, I can do that. I had a little bit of extra money. I was a, a financial advisor at that time. And uh, I went in, me and my friend, Mike, we just jumped right in, man. Had no knowledge, made every mistake in the book, did all the work ourselves, except for the stuff that we couldn't do. And uh, made a very, very small profit after about a year's worth of work. Mm. First flip. Nice, man. And so now, so you flipped your first, you were a professional uh, snowboarder, started flipping houses in 06. Can you tell us a little bit about what Chris is now? So, well, I, I retired from Wall Street in 2018 when I sold my practice. And a large part of that was I just lost faith in Wall Street and the institutions. I, I had been in the, the real estate circle for quite a while with our TV show, uh, Risky Builders. I'd met a lot of very wealthy individuals. And prior to that, you know, I'd just been around people like Greg and, you know, a bunch of really high profile people. And when I talked to them about money, because it was just a natural thing, being 16 year vet from the Wall Street world, I mean, that's just what we talked about. But when I talked to these wealthy individuals, the way they used money was completely different than everything I did in Wall Street. And it wasn't just like one person. It was it was a whole bunch of different people that you know I was talking to and they all did the same things. And I started to think, well, if this is everything I've learned in Wall Street, then why are all the wealthy individuals I know doing something completely different with their money? That, that contradicted almost everything that I, I learned you know, and did in Wall Street. So I think that was where it really started to turn for me. And today what I do is I just, you know, I, I go around well, the world really and speak on stages. Uh, you know, I just did a TEDx talk. Um, gosh, I, I've done so many events this year and mm -hmm. I just teach, I teach people the secrets of the wealthy. I really teach them how they can be their own bank. And uh, that's a large part of what I do. I've got a, a big team. We've got about, I don't even know where we're at. Let's just say, I don't manage all the team, but let's just say there's 25 people on our team. A lot of them are marketing and video production because we do a ton on YouTube and social media. And uh, the rest of them would be sales, administration, and, and everything else. And uh, that's the primary business. And then from that, I noticed a, a big inefficiency with what we, we do. We build banking systems, and I have a feeling we'll get into that. Um, one of the big problems with building these banking systems is people would be putting money in. They would take care of their short-term needs, paying off debt, buying cars maybe a real estate deal or that, but then they would have all this money building up and they wouldn't know what to do with it. So I remember uh, Greg telling me back in 2014, he said the ultimate in real estate is being the bank. And I needed an outlet to move money and to lend money and be the bank. So I, I started the idea two years ago of creating private money club, which is our FinTech software, our dating site for money, if you will, you know, depending on what podcast you look at, it's, you know, Ryan Pineda calls it Tinder for business. Uh, Bradley 
you know, I don't know, I know what he called it, but you know, there's got a bunch of names. It's a dating site for money that allows me and all of my friends, clients, and and now everybody in the U.S. to move money into real estate deals by being the bank and lending on it or borrowing from it. Because listen, everything we do in real estate revolves around two things: there's people with money and there's people that need money. Okay, and you're either on one of those two sides of the fence. I don't care how much you got or how much you don't have. People that need money, they need money to make more money. So they go to the traditional sources like banks, institutional lenders, hard money lenders. And then there's all of us individuals. I'm talking private lenders that have money, maybe self-directed IRAs or just money sitting there. And we want to make more money. So we need to meet the people that need money. And all I did is created the dating site that brings people with money together with people that need money. Oh, that's awesome. And what is what is that site? PrivateMoneyClub.com PrivateMoneyClub.com And do yeah. you have to like pay to be a member to be on that? So you can go on for free. And the free is kind of like walking down the streets of Amsterdam in the red light district. You get to look, but you can't touch. And I promise you, eventually you're going to see one you just cannot bear not to well, touch. So you're going to go in and you're going to pay. So it's a membership site. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> 15 about 1500 bucks a year is what it costs uh, right now we've got specials going on because we just launched uh to the us so it's still 997 and uh yes yeah, so you can go in and window shop for free or if you want to get your hands dirty lend money or borrow money yeah it's going to cost you a membership fee dude that's awesome man and so i mean i know how we we recently and actually you were there when i was talking about uh starting to try to raise some private money and stuff like I, that i was you were talking about creating a fund yeah, yeah. So that was super interesting to dig into that site and see everything that that is out there. Um, so I want I want to talk a little bit about the because this is what we're super intrigued on picking your brain on, and because because I feel like there's so many variations of the uh, be your own bank, right? Mm -hmm. So many people talking about it, and then when I heard you in um, or was it Playa de Carmen the first time in uh, Mexico? I was like, dude, this guy knows his shit. So <clears throat> what is being your own bank? Yeah, so the banking concept, being your own bank is simple. It's, it's the process. And you notice I didn't say it was a product. It's a process of taking back the banking functions in your life. Uh, I'll give you an example. <clears throat> Almost every one of your listeners, including both of you, you have a car. And you, you had to buy that car one of four different ways. You either paid cash for it, you financed it with a bank or a finance company, you leased it, and maybe a couple of you on here stole your car. Okay, so there's only four mm. ways to buy a car. So imagine that you financed your car. If you did that or leased, you're making a monthly payment every month. So I'll just hold up some money. You're making a monthly payment every month to somebody else's bank. And that payment includes interest and principal. So the infinite banking concept is a process of literally taking back all the money that you're giving away. In other words, if you're making a $500 a month car payment right now, what if that $500 a month car payment, instead of going to their bank, went to your bank? And as soon as you made that payment for that car, you got to use that money again. But the whole time, your money never stopped working for you. I know I, that's super high level, but and that could be for credit cards. If you have credit cards and every month you make a payment, a minimum payment, you're paying just interest. And every month that credit card company is literally making more and more money because you're giving it up. So what we would teach you to do is to change one thing and that's where your money goes first so that then you can then take back all the money you're giving away. It's not a fast process. It takes time, 
but that's what the infinite banking concept is. Being your own bank just means take every single thing that a bank does day in and day out and mimic it. If the bank is lending money on, on you know, rental properties, then you be the bank and lend money on rental properties. If the bank is financing your car instead of their bank financing your car, why not set up a banking system that then you use your bank to finance your car and make payments back to your bank? It's end-to-end -end control. You know, we all know Steve Jobs and how he changed the world with this thing, end-to-end -end control. Well, I've created that exact same thing for money. And I didn't even create it. This has been around for hundreds of years. I just found a really unique way to teach it at a fifth grade level. Hey, Chris, if you don't mind, can you give us an example of one transaction that's a really good example, easy to understand yeah. uh, of a way to practice infinite banking? And maybe we can use a, a buying your car as an example. Sure. Let's buy a car. All right. I got to I got to you guys can see this, right? Yeah, yeah, we can see it. All right, let's <clears throat> buy a car. Where can we get a car from? Got a car on here? Nope. Just trying to find the right diagram here. I'll just do it. Can with you this highlight one. just Chris, Mike, for this? All right. We'll just we'll just use or this. Us. All right. So quite simply, because this this concept, a lot of people try to make it overcomplicated. Right now, everybody watching this, in one way or the other, makes an income. Maybe you're driving an income straight out of real estate. Maybe it's rentals. Maybe it's a W-2 income. I don't care how you're doing it. But out of that income that you're deriving, when you get paid, that money is going somewhere. And for most of you, it's going into somebody else's bank, Bank of America or whatever banks in your account. All I'm going to propose and all this process does is changes one thing. So the money that you earn, your income, not all of it, but just the money that you would normally save. So I want to talk about the money you would save. Maybe it's going to 401k, maybe it's going to savings or checkings, checking accounts. We're going to just change where that money goes first, okay? That's all we're going to do, where your savings goes first. And where we're going to put it, and this is where most people lose it, so now we're going to talk about a product. Because if you're going to create a bank, we need that bank has got to be a machine to move your money. So we need an efficient machine that will move your money. So the bank that we're going to reference here, your bank, is a whole life insurance policy. But before we get any deeper, all of you have heard something about whole life. You've probably heard that it's overpriced insurance. You've heard that it's garbage. You've heard Dave Ramsey say, nobody should put money in whole life. But that would be you thinking that all whole lives are created equal. And then I would go in and I would tell you that the number one purchaser of whole life insurance in the world is traditional banks. And if I had slides that I could play, I'd show you the top five banks in this country as of 2020, or actually, I'm sorry, 2019, had $75 billion in whole life. The wealthiest families in history also, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, the J.P. Morgans, the Stanleys, the Ray Crocs, the Walt Disneys, the sitting president today, Biden, McCain, um, JFK, Pampered Chefs, Doris Christopher, I could go on for a lot longer. They've all used this with nothing other than a whole life. So if all the wealthiest families are using this and the banks are using this, do you think they're buying the whole life that Dave Ramsey says is an overpriced life insurance policy? No, nope. absolutely not. The policies that we designed for the infinite banking concept are built backwards, literally. So when we construct them, you think of a life insurance policy as being a death benefit, the most death benefit you can get the day you die. But what if we just built it with the lowest death benefit? And then we stuffed as much cash as we could within the allowable limits by the IRS. What we now have, and there's a lot more to it, is a structure 
that looks and feels and actually acts a lot like a savings account, not a life insurance policy. Now, sure, it allows you to, when you die, it's going to pay a death benefit to your family. But while you live, all of this, so I'm going to change the whole life because what we're talking about is specially designed and engineered whole life, okay? Very different than what your broke-ass brother-in-law is going to try to sell you when he tries to pitch you life insurance. And the reason you haven't heard about this, the reason I never heard about this 16 years as an advisor is to build this policy this way, it requires me to take a 60 to 90% cut in my commissions on this product. So Dave Ramsey would be really proud. We're literally giving up and most real estate investors are between 80 and 90% less in commissions. So we're giving that commission up so that our clients have access to anywhere between 60 to 90% of their money immediately in the first 30 days. So now that you know what your bank is, okay, it's a specially designed whole life and we're going to change where our savings goes. So let's just use an example where we put $10,000 into this policy each year. So the first thing I want you to understand is all the policies we design right now with dividends pay between five and 6%. There's a few companies, so I'm just going to give you a range of that five to 6%. Most of them guarantee 3%. So if you compare that to the other places where you can put your money, where your money's literally just going to, I don't know, sit there and do nothing, there, no one's giving you 3% right now. And these are guaranteed. You're going to make five to six, but that's the boring part. And you would never do this to do this. What we want to talk about is some really fun stuff, okay? So let me just really quickly just whip out a car here, okay? We're going to draw a car, and this is what we're going to do. So I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a car person. I like nice vehicles and I'm going to show you how we would use our bank to buy a car. So let's just, let's just assume that you've saved up a hundred thousand dollars in this policy. That's clearly a picture of a Ferrari. You think that's a Ferrari? All right. Hang on. I wasn't going for the Ferrari, but uh, that was kind of a Peugeot, but we can definitely make that a Ferrari there. See the big nice. wing and let's put a big exhaust. <laughs> All right. So, Let's just say we've saved up $100,000. Now that might have taken a couple of years to save that up, doesn't matter. But let's just assume you had 100 grand you were gonna use to buy, I don't know, what, what kind of car can we call this? What, what is this thing? 100 grand could be a Mercedes, right? Yeah, what, what kind of Mercedes do you like? Uh, 100 grand, I guess uh, it's not an AMG, S-Class? No, you could get a, well, you could get a, you could get a five, you know, you get the 550 G-Wagon for 100 grand, I mean, I got the AMG, it's a little more, but the, the, that one will be fine. So you're saved up because you wanted to pay cash for a Mercedes G-Wagon. So now you got this money here. The old way that most people would do it is they would just take the 100 grand from the bank, buy the car, and now you got yourself a depreciating car. But let me show you how I do this. So let's just remember the math, okay? I'm just going to pick on 6% for today. So we got 100 grand here. What I'm going to do is I'm going to treat my money the same way I would treat the bank's money. So if I got 100 grand, I'm going to take a loan from my bank. And I'll explain the significance of the loan. And my bank's going to charge 4%, okay? Or, or the insurance company is actually going to allow me to take a loan at 4%. Let me say that properly. So we take 100 grand, and now we just move that 100 grand over here. This, is, this segregated account in the middle, this is just a bank account. All we're doing is moving the money from our bank to their bank, from their bank to buy the car. So now we bought a car. Now let's just do the math. We started with 100 grand. We just bought a $100,000 G-Wagon. How much money is left in my bank? Zero. Wrong. That's the, that's the answer I was looking for, though. All $100 is still in your account. 
all of it. And it's still all earning interest and dividends. So how is that even possible? This is where people say this sounds too good to be true. Well, if you remember, there was two guarantees I listed off early on that you get in the whole life. Number one, a guaranteed interest rate. And number two, someday when you die, even though we're going to reduce the death benefit, there will be a death benefit that's paid out. In the contract for a whole life that is designed properly, there is nothing in the contract that says we can't use the death benefit while we're living. Matter of fact, the insurance company is more than happy to lend you your death benefit up to the amount that you have in cash value, so your bank's value. Mm. They'll lend that to you anytime. So now this hundred grand wasn't even our money. This hundred grand was the insurance company advancing us part of our death benefit while we're living. Therefore, you now just literally learned what all the wealthiest families know and what banks know. You know how to have your money sit in an account, earning interest and dividends while you get to use that money to do something else. We're just using an example of a car. But let's do the math now. Remember, I said earlier, so this is your death benefit getting used as a loan. The insurance company doesn't just give you your death benefit for free. They charge you interest. So, and I'm going to show you some numbers in a little bit or, or talk through some numbers, but just do the math. If you were making six and you were paying four, what are you making? Two. Correct. You're making a spread, positive 2%. So right out of the hole, you just found yourself a place where you can put your money that literally does exactly what a bank does every single day. Because a bank pays you interest on the money you put in the bank. Well, or maybe they don't today, but let's just pretend they pay you one. And if they lent that money out at six, they make a five point spread. You just found a way to make a spread. But the best part about your spread is next year, it's not two. Next year, it's more than two. The year after that, it's even more than that. The year after that, it's even more than that. This spread keeps going up every year for no other reason. There's no magic here other than your hundred grand never stops earning interest and dividends uninterrupted. So you get to earn compound interest. You heard Kent talk about this a lot. Your hundred grand earns compound interest forever until the day you die, even if you use it all over and over and over again. So that's the first component of why we use the machine. It gives us the only place where we can put money and make a positive spread on that money while never ever having to disrupt it. Okay. And it's always in our control. So now the infinite banking concept, be your own bank. The most important thing to look at now is if you bought a hundred thousand dollar G wagon and you took a loan from your bank, you should never ever steal from your bank. You wouldn't steal from bank of America. You'd go to jail. Except for when you own the bank, you don't go to jail. It just affects your bank. So how I do it, <clears throat> I'll give you an example. The, the AMG G wagon that I just bought, it was more than that. My payment on that was $2,600 a month. And how did I figure that out? I just went on to bankrate.com and I said, how much would a five-year loan be at whatever the going rate was? And they'll tell you what the going rate is on car loans. And it came up about 2,600 bucks okay, for a, a vehicle that was a little more. But if you're buying a $100,000 vehicle, it's probably about, we'll just do it for 1,800 bucks. Okay? You would pay 1,800 bucks to somebody else's bank if you financed this vehicle. Well, you did finance it. You financed it using your bank. So what I do is I set up a bill pay for $1,800 a month, whatever the, whatever the, and you're in control. It doesn't have to be 1,800. Hell, you could be like, nope, I want a better deal. Okay, well then make it 12. You're the bank, you're in control. Put your number wherever you want. Just don't steal from your bank. I set up a bill pay and that $1,800 monthly check, I put it back in my policy every single month. But the best part about that is every month, 
I have $1,800 more in my bank. So I had 100,000, but I took 100 out to buy the vehicle. Every month I'm putting 1,800 bucks back, which means I'm reducing the loan, the, the, uh, I'm not reducing the loan amount, but I'm reducing the amount I'm paying interest on to the insurance company. So now my spread just keeps going up. <clears throat> so this is how it works. If you just think of the infinite banking concept very simply as a circle, that's all it is, okay? On one side is your money. On the other side are your opportunities or the things that you wanna buy, okay? So if this is your opportunity here, it could be real estate, could be that G-Wagon that we did. So now if we're talking G-Wagons, easy, just draw a box. And all I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take my money that I would save, so my savings, and I change where it goes, put it into this account. And then my goal is to move my money into opportunities. You all do this in real estate anyway. You're always looking for an opportunity to make money. So I move that money over here. And this is always gonna be a loan, okay? And let's just put 4% and 6% again. Then all I'm gonna do is whether it's a rental property, whether it's whatever real estate deal or a car, I'm gonna take the amount that that opportunity generates and I'm just gonna put it back in my bank. Because if you had your own bank that paid you that kind of a return, it, and this bank also grows tax-free because it's life insurance, so it's gonna grow tax-free, why would you ever put any money in anybody else's bank? You wouldn't. You would always keep that money in your bank because you wanna control it all. And the entire time, and it doesn't matter what you make over here. Maybe you make 12%, maybe you make 30%, whatever you're making on this house or this car, that's the money working for you. And you got to put that money back over here. But the whole time on your original money that you started with, you're making a spread. The infinite banking concept is this. It doesn't matter how many different things we do over here. It works for every one of them. You just have to change where your money goes first. So really quick on that, on that uh, tax thing. Mm -hmm. The money that goes into it is oh, this is taxable. Okay. Yeah. This okay. anything that happens over here from your money working for you is taxable. What's not taxable is the internal That's bill. Interesting. Right okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. All right. Got it. Good question, though. Good. I'm sure some people were thinking that. Okay. No, that makes sense. That was a great fucking explanation. Yeah. Um. I mean, this is what a bank does every day. I mean, if we really. I don't know. Can I share my screen? Yeah. Can you that give works. them? I think we can. He's going to work. I, can, on I, can just, I just want you to see the similarities to what a bank does and what we just did there. Does he have screen sharing capabilities? Yeah, he does. Uh, okay. Got it. Perfect. All right. So any of you that are watching this, you know, you can just kind of see what's going to happen. I'm just going to show you how a bank operates. And we all know this, but we all don't really pay attention to this. We have been taught every single day. Is that my? Oh, okay, there we go. We've been taught every single day to take the money that we earn and deposit it in the bank. Now I'm pretending that the bank gives you 4% interest, but they really don't. That deposit to us is an asset. And then to a bank, it's a liability. So all banks have read Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, so they know the goal is to turn liabilities into assets. Your deposit must be turned into an asset by making a loan. So they lend it out on a house. The seller gets the money, does what they've been told their whole life, back in the bank. Bank then loans that money back out for that BMW M4. Car dealership does what they've been told, puts the money back in the bank. And round and round we go. Home remodel, contractors put the money back, debt consolidation loans, and the credit cards put the money back in the bank. 
Every single one of these transactions was in full control of the bank. Notice how I'm trying to keep that circle. Money went yeah, into yeah. the bank, bank moved that money out. And the entire time the bank moved the money, they made a spread. So if they paid you four and they charged somebody seven on a mortgage, that's a three point spread. Four and eight for the car loan means the bank made a 4% spread. Four and 9%, you can see we're just gonna keep going up 5% and four in the 12 for the credit card is eight. If we add that up, the bank made 20% more than we did on the money that we gave them because the bank knows how to move money and knows how to make that money work. Not only that, it was our money, but the bank was in full control of every transaction. And not only were they in full control of every transaction, they were very smart about each loan. This one's collateralized, this one's collateralized, that one's collateralized with probably a second position. The debt consolidation loan is the only uncollateralized loan. So the bank not only is in full control, the bank's making the most amount of money, and the bank is also taking on very little risk because they're smart and they know how to be the bank. But if we did the math, if we took the four that you were making, divided it into the 20 that you thought the bank made, you would find that that's five times more. So the bank actually made 500% more than you do. And we, this is what we've been taught. So really what I just showed you, I literally just showed you one very simple thing. And that was how to be the bank. Because if this was, I'm just going to put this one up. If this was your bank, and this is a real example of a real client. Okay. He was uh, 38 years old, saw a video, just like you're all watching said, yep, I want to start my own bank. He's a real estate investor. So this is very appropriate. So we built the plan to be very, um, what we'll call it high early cash value friendly. So most real estate investors want all the money that they can use immediately. They don't so much care about 10, 20 years. They want as much as you can now because you know how to make money. So that was this guy. So he had 50 grand sitting in a bank. So what he did is he deposited 50 grand into his bank, which is a specially designed whole life. Then he decided to put 491.25 a month into his policy. So in the first year, you can see he put 50 grand in and then 58.95. So if we can do the math, he put a total of 55.895 in. In the first year, he only had access to 51,554. So now some of you watching this are like, oh, that sucks. He doesn't have all the money he put in. Right. This isn't for you. If you're the person that walks into or puts money into your bank account and on December 31st, you walk in or December 30th, you walk into the bank and you take all the money out of the bank just to say you could, this is not a concept that works for you because in the first year, maybe even two years, you're not going to have all the money that you put in to use. But this guy, his name was Kevin, he had 92%. But here's what Kevin knows that most people don't. The person that walks into the bank and takes all their money out certainly doesn't know this. Kevin knows that if somebody on this podcast tonight needed 50,000 bucks, Kevin knows that literally within a couple clicks of the mouse, he could get 50 grand out. So let's just say in the first year, he puts 55, 895 in, takes 50 out. Most people would say, you know, like what we went over earlier, that he's only got 5895 left. He doesn't. He's got 50, he's got 55, 895 left because the 50 he took out was his death benefit being advanced to him. And all 55, 895 is earning interest. But now that money, that 50 grand that he lent to one of you is earning, let's just say, 12% interest. So he's making money twice. But how much money is he making? Well, let's go to year two. Year two, Kevin puts in the same 491.25. So he puts in 58.95 in the second year. 
The second year, this policy design with the dump in, it's very important because he's got a dump in, grows 7,141. So we don't need to be math geniuses to figure this out. 7,141 minus 58.95 means in the second year he made $1,246. Then if we take 1,246 and we divide it into the amount he put in that year, 58.95, we get a cash on cash return of 21.14%. So how much is his spread? Well, we can run the numbers a couple different ways, but if we just do simple math, 21.14 minus the 4% the insurance company charges him is what? Enough is the right answer. And this just keeps going up. Year five, 26. Year 10, 54%. I, I know it looks unrealistic. It doesn't even look real. But I assure you, folks, this is real numbers off of a real illustration. We just summarize them just to make it small and concise. This is how they work. This is how they've always worked. It's just to do this, this particular design resulted in us making 90% less than your broke-ass brother-in-law made when he sold you that term policy or when he sold you that regular whole life policy. The reason he has so much money available is because we didn't take it in commission. We designed the plan so that that commission didn't exist. So that means the client has the money. I mean, people love numbers and they love seeing that. That's why I wanted to just quickly show that to you. No, that's awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> so... I mean, in a nutshell, how it works. So I think what's important is you have to have an initial amount of money saved up, right? To dump or, in the, or the monthly amount. You don't need the dump in. Okay. It helps. I mean, Kevin's numbers wouldn't look like that or that sexy if he didn't do the dump in. Because think of it, the dump in, the 50 grand he put in, that gives him 50 grand to start earning interest and dividends. And his plan paid 5.2% with dividend. So he's got 50 grand earning 5.2%. And then he's putting money in monthly. But if Kevin didn't have the 50 grand, he could have just funded this at 491.25 a month. The number is whatever the number you want the number to be. Got it. And I remember asking you something and uh, about it, but isn't like the initial number that you dump in the max that you can dump in or something like that? Great question. All right. So when we build the policies, and, and if you don't mind, I'm just going to come back over here. So, and I'm going to use just the $10,000 policy because it's round. Mike, can you zoom, in, zoom him in again? Yeah, sorry. This will be the, yeah, I'll try to just. No, 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 all good. Okay. I like this stuff. So let's just say 10000 was the premium deposit that you decided you want the ability to put in each year. Because you're going to determine one, you're going to determine two numbers. Number one, if you want to do a dump in, that would just be money just sitting there doing nothing in a bank account. And you're like, well, hell, I want my money making 5.2 or 6%. So that's the dump in. But let's say you don't have that. The second number is going to just be how much do you want the ability to fund your plan each year? So we're going to call that premium deposit. Somebody that says 10 grand. Okay. So when we build the policy to hold 10 grand, this is your ceiling. So there's IRS rules that are called the MEC 7 pay rule, not to get technical. You don't need to know about this. We design them so they work within this. But we literally build this right to the maximum allowable limit based on the minimum death benefit we can put on. So the lower the death benefit, the lower this threshold, but we're going to build it right there. So somebody that sets up a $10,000 policy next year, they can't come to us and say, Hey, I want to put 15,000 in. This is awesome. Kevin can't come to us and say, I want to put $700 a month in. It, it just won't hold it because of the, the MEC limit. But the cool part is, is the way we design them gives you the ability to reduce this. So next year, you might not have as good of a year. You might not be able to put 10 grand in. Fine. Can you put 4,000 in? Okay. Can't put 4,000 in? Great. Can you put 
1,200 in. I mean, I'm just giving you ranges. We can build the plan to have any level of flexibility you want. We could go up to, and it's tough, but I'm going to say up to 90% in a, in a variance, but you're hurting yourself if you go to a 90% on something. So just forget about that, but we could. So usually it's about a 60% difference from max to min. So this would be your minimum. This would be your maximum. So when we build them, that's how we build them. And this number can be anything. I just had a guy, um, big real estate developer, and he put uh, 2.55 million in as a dump in. So his dump in was 255 mil. And just so you know, he put it in and immediately, like when his policy was issued, he immediately took that money out in the first 30 days and put it back into a development deal he had. And then each year, his premium deposit wasn't 10 grand, it was 300. So he put 2.55 million in, and each year he has a limit, a max limit of 300,000 in that plan. So, and then if he can't do 300, this is a big thing. He said, well, what if next year I can't do 300? I said, well, what's the minimum you can do? And I think he told me 150 would be like cakewalk for him. I said, okay, well, let's design it so it holds that. And I think his actually goes down to about 100 he can take it down to. So there was no risk for him because he's like, I know no matter what, I can do 100. He said 150, but I want the ability to do 300. And then he, he has this money all out to work already. So that's, that's how we kind of design them. And yeah, but you definitely need to be observant to whatever we build it at, that's going to be your max, not your minimum. Dude, that's awesome, man. So do you have any questions real quick? I do. Hey, Chris, <clears throat> do you, is there a uh, limit to the, uh, the lowest amount of initial contribution or highest amount of right. initial contribution per policy? Sure. Let's do minimum first. So what is the lowest? A lot of people will ask this. Well, let me ask you. I'll just, I'll just do, the, do this with you. How old are you? Uh, 43. Okay. So if you Hard want to, to know, <laughs> I, th I definitely had you as younger. I'm not going to lie, but that's awesome. So I'm 45. <laughs> I got you by two. So if 43 is your age, all we would do is add a zero and an M. $430 a month is your lowest you could do for this to even remotely work. So that's your minimum. But somebody that's 25, 250 is their minimum. Okay, so then it gets more tricky when we go to the max because now a lot more factors come in than just age. To hit the max is going to play a lot of things that are going to play into your income, your net worth, your assets, and your future earning potential. So all these things. So for this gentleman to dump in 2.55 million, the insurance company sort of wanted to do a proctal exam. They wanted, not really, I'm joking. Mm. They wanted to know like, why do you need so much coverage? Because $2.55 million, even at the lowest death benefit, still bought them like 30 million death benefit. So if you're an insurance company, you're looking at this saying, whew, if this guy goes too early, man, we're out $30 million. Where this client that put 2.55 million in is just looking at, all right, I want to put more, I want to put that money in because I want to earn interest on it the rest of my life. So what we got to do to the insurance company is justify that this guy has the ability to be insured for $30 million and there's a reason for it. And that's done. His income is this, his net worth is this, his assets are this. And then the insurance company is going to come up and say, okay, the risk is justified. That's mm. how we came up with 30 million and that got approved. So the max really is a moving target. I always just tell people, just throw the number out you want us to run it at. And we'll run it up the flagpole at the insurance company and see what they say and what they would want. On average, I would say a lot of our clients are putting, like, we got a lot, a lot of people doing 150 dump in it. And then if they're doing 150 dump, they're usually putting 30 to 50,000 in each year. 
and that's the maximum, like that's a really sweet design. Uh, did one the other day, 200,000 going in and 30,000 a year. Dude, it was like, if you liked Kevin's numbers that we just looked at, that policy was way beyond Kevin's. It, it surprised me. He was a young guy. He was, I think he was 43, as a matter of fact, 42 or 43. Super young. He just had a good chunk Super of change. Super young, right, Dom? <laughs> he is young. But that's so, a great also, is there a limit to the number of different policies someone can have also? Well, again, it comes back to this whole thing. So the number is really relative to the same thing we just talked about. I have nine on just me. I have uh, one on my daughter that I took out when she was six months. Larissa, my wife's got three and I got two on my mom. My mentor Brent has, I might get this off by one or two. It's like 26 or 27 policies. And a lot of people are like, why would you want so many? Well, just remember what we talked about. Get all this stuff off. Remember what we talked about a second ago? Um, if you were designing this and you built your first plan to be 10,000, chances are you're going to make more money and you're going to use this and you're going to be like, holy crap, it works just like he said. You're going to all of a sudden realize that what I'm telling you is not bullshit, is not a scam and is not anything that other people might want to say because they don't understand it. It works 100% of the time. And if you don't believe me, then try to go on. I mean, there's in today's world, if something doesn't work that someone with a profile like me is saying, there's going to be something online saying that guy's a scam artist. That doesn't work that way. Find it. I'll give you a hundred bucks if you can find one negative comment from anyone anywhere online. You can't because this works identical. So somebody that sets up a $10,000 policy, they're probably next year going to want to put more than 10,000 in. So that means they're going to have to set up branch office number two. Maybe they do a second policy for 10,000. Now they can put 20 grand in the next year. Maybe they want to put 30 in. Great. Now we got to do another policy. So each one of these is just increasing your threshold of money that can run through your banking system. It's the reason that traditional banks don't just have one branch. They need multiple branches to hold more money and run more money through their banking system. This is no different, folks. You're creating your own banking system. Everything I'm teaching you comes from banking 101. You're just doing what banks do. Wow. So... For people watching, and we have a couple questions, D, if you can jump in and maybe read some of those okay. questions. Um, but for people watching, what is the, the I guess, the risk okay. of doing this? Good question. So what is the risk? So pull back just one here. The risk is the money that you put in. So if you remember Kevin, Kevin put 55895 in. And in the first year, how much money did he have to use? about 51, what was it? 51 and change. change. Yeah. yeah. So we'll just call it 51 grand. So that's, that's a risk. You don't have a hundred percent of the money that you put in to take out. Okay. So that's the first thing. Second risk is if you're not in good health or you got something material wrong with you, the insurance company is not going to insure you. So you might not get approved, but outside of that, there is no other risks because there's no risk of losing money ever. You can't lose money. The only place your money can go is up guaranteed like and nobody else can say that insurance companies are the only companies that can provide these kind of guarantees and i don't want to say in the world but pretty much in the world so that's the biggest risk the amount you put in is not the amount you have to use in the first maybe one to three years depending on how old you are all of us on this right now talking our plans would be mature just like you saw kevin's probably by the second year if you did a dump in third or fourth year if you didn't do a dump in wow so what about what about the difference in so you said the um, insurance company is going to charge you 4% to take out that loan. 
right? And then uh, they guarantee you 3%, mm-hmm. but it could be 5 to 6%. So is there ever a risk of you paying a point or paying interest, basically? Um, or, or is that... That's a really good question. And, you know, I've been doing this a long time, almost 20 years, and I've never once, never in 20 years, and I can even go back further based on data the insurance company gives us. I've never seen a single year in any, and I can go back 34 years by memory, where the insurance companies didn't pay more than what they charged in interest. It's almost by design. But not yeah. only that, like, remember those numbers I was giving you, the 5 and 6%, like pretty much that range? Guess what this is? This is let's say 3% guaranteed, and then the rest would be, we'll just do 3% dividend. This dividend number, and I'd be happy to share it with anybody that ever wanted to see it, that's the lowest dividend these insurance companies have paid by by the paper that I have in 34 years. Lowest Mm -hmm. ever. And that's because our interest rate cycle has been slowly going down. Now, we just turned the corner because good old Fed is now raising interest rates. So we're now in a rising interest rate cycle. A rising interest rate cycle almost always in history increases dividends. So chances are in the next year, two years, five years, you're going to see dividends go up. This just might be mm-hmm. the only time in my life I ever get to actually tell this story where, you know, all 6,700 of our clients were shown an illustration that more than likely will not happen the way that it was shown. Chances are they're going to have more money than what they were shown. And the only reason for that is, I can very strongly believe that dividends are going to go up because of this rising interest rate cycle. Wow. Yeah. It's wow. a really good time to look at this. <clears throat> yeah. So a lot of the questions are asked uh, or answered already. So Christian Rukoff, shout out to Christian said, uh, you know, how does the company make money? Which he's, he's explained. Uh, Joe said, can you do more than one dump in one policy? Which was also explained. Uh, we have born to ride 14. Who said, damn, this almost seems illegal. <laughs> but he has a, a right in the tax code. There you go. Uh, he has a couple of quick questions. So sure. good questions. How does the tax free part work? Oh, good question. you covered it a little bit, but I think it's all right. It, this is a great question because a lot of people are like, how can that be ta- tax free? Well, first off, I already told you that um, the wealthiest families in history have had this. Who do you think writes the tax code and and passes the laws and the bills, right? It's the wealthiest people in America. And this is where they have their money. But it comes down to one simple thing. I don't care who you are or what kind of insurance you've ever seen. You should, by now, know that when the death benefit is paid out, it's paid out tax-free. It's always been that way, okay? So if your death benefit is 100% tax-free when you die, and remember how I explained that with the circle, right? We're putting money in. And then we're taking money out to buy G-Wagons or whatever it is you want. That was just the example. But we're taking loans. And if you remember what the loan was a loan against, the death benefit. So if you had a million-dollar death benefit, whoops, get my numbers right, and we took out 900000 in a loan. So we'll just do 900000 That's one hell of a Barabbas G-Wagon, but whatever. Okay? That means there's $100,000 net left. So... How come this is all tax-free inside here? Because this death benefit that you took out is tax-free when it's paid. And the, the IRS or you know the tax code says if you die, now only 100000 is paid out because you already took nine hundred. Mm. And remember, it's always tax-free. So if you take it out now or you take it out later when you die, it maintains tax-free status. The only rules we have to follow, which is definitely what we covered, are the MEC IRS guidelines. And that doesn't have anything to do with you. That has to do with how we design it. We have to build it 
within what the IRS allows so that the IRS mm -hmm. doesn't call it a mech, which basically means that it's treated like uh, an investment. The way we build them, every one of them are treated like life insurance. That's awesome. Yeah. He also asked, what's the exit strategy if you want to get your money out and close the life insurance policy? Close it out. Kevin could have closed his account anytime he wanted. You just close it. Okay. So there's no and, and then you take the money. I mean, in the first couple of years, you might not get every penny you put in back out, but you shouldn't have started in the first place if you're just going to close it. Got it. Good point. Got it. So the money that comes in from your initial dump in, obviously that's post tax dollars, right? Correct. Yes. After tax dollars. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the money that's going into it is always going to be after tax. Think of it like a Roth. You know, you're putting after tax dollars in, but you take tax free dollars out. Kind of same idea. Got it. Got it. Okay. So what are, what are the biggest, uh, I guess, just like, why, why wouldn't I do this? If I have like 20 grand laying around. I don't know why you haven't already done this. Is that a good enough answer? Um, for people watching who have 20 grand laying <laughs> You've around. You've seen it twice already. So. <laughs> Other well, than why, why wouldn't I do this? Uh, the, I, I don't know. Maybe you're one of those people that goes into the bank December 30th and takes all your money out of the bank just so you can say you did it. I mean, there are people that just can't handle. If I put 10K in, I might only have eight or nine grand to take out at the end of the year or anywhere during that year. I mean, maybe that's not good enough. Um, I don't know. I mean, when, when does I, that threshold kick? Kevin's was year two. Some of them are year three. Okay. That's not bad. It's not mm -hmm. bad. No. no, but a lot of people are in a rush. So other than using this for cars <clears throat> and houses, are there any other uh, usual or unusual items that people use this for? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, tons. Uh, so our airplane that we fly around to events on, that's funded through our policies. So, nice. you know, we've got a plot us uh, and that was all fully funded by the policy. So, I mean, if you want to get drastic, that's a drastic thing. Uh, right over here, I've got one of those fancy copy machines that most businesses lease. I don't lease them. What I did is the, the I came in, proposed the lease for 171 a month. I said, how much is the machine? He said, 8,500 bucks. So I took a loan from my policy. So now let's do this. I took 8,500 bucks from my policy. I bought that stupid copy machine out there. Kind of looks like this and 8,500 bucks. And I took the $171 a month that that guy told me I could lease the machine for, and I pay that back to my policy. But see, the only thing that's different is my company pays my personal policy back. So I'm, so all I got to do is I got to pay interest on whatever the interest portion of that 171 is. So that's a, I just did that. I don't know, maybe eight months ago we did that. So if you did the math on this copy machine, I'm going to make about, I think it's 1800 bucks if you do it by five years. Plus, I got a copy machine bought and paid for. Too cool. Hmm. So if we have some cash and we want to buy a copy machine or a car or a house all uh, entirely in cash, how quick can we have a policy set? Because what if we need the copy machine tomorrow? Can we it get the policy set up today? So if you were going to do the copy machine tomorrow, your best bet would be to negotiate a buyout on the lease. Then you lease it and then you mm -hmm. just buy the lease out when we get it issued. It takes about 45 days start to finish. 45, 45 days. days. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. So try to get your ducks in a row if you're going to purchase something and be ready for it. Got it. Got it. Now, is there a difference between items owned personally and items owned by an LLC? Yes. Um, it, it gets really fun. So, Ooh. 
Yeah. So let me just show you. I'll get, I, I mean, I, I just literally got a bunch of big checks today for mm -hmm. banking activity. Let me just show you something here that you might like. And since it's already. While you look for that, what is that fucking amazing TV whiteboard <laughs> screen that you have? Uh, it's the Samsung whiteboard. So I got this a couple of years ago. I think they're three or four grand. Um, yeah, they're badass. I love them. I w I'm going to buy one, but I'm going to do it through my life insurance. Now, that would be a fantastic, fantastic idea. All right. So let me give you an example. I'm going to give, give you a real example. All right. Um, it was 96K. So my wife still flips houses. You know, we do a couple a year. I don't do nothing but fund the flips. So when we did it, she gives me a budget of 40 grand for the rehab. She spends 96. If any of you are married, you already understand what I'm saying. So what I did is I funded the rehab on a house that we just did. Now the house was bought by our LLC. So exactly this, this is the flow. Remember before none of this on this side existed. It just went back around. What mm -hmm. I did is I just lent the money. So $96,000. And then what I did is I structured a promissory note to my company. I only charged my company 6%. Okay. 6% simple interest is what I charged my company. Then I sent the money to my company's bank account. 96,000 bucks to pay for the rehab. My company, one of two, now there's, I did it two different ways. Sometimes my company will make monthly payments back to me, which is whatever the 6% is. This one that I just did for 96,000, 881 Klein Road, Williamsville. If any of you want to look up the flip, 881 uh, Klein Road. And uh, the 96 grand was lent to the company, but the company in, in this project didn't have extra cash flow because it was a flip. So I backdoored or put all the interest on the back end of it. Mm -hmm. So recently we just closed. So my bookkeeper wrote me a check for the 96 that I lent plus the 6% interest. So it was mm -hmm. like 98,000 bucks that I just got a check for. And then I just take that money and I literally, once the check clears my account, I'll put it back in my policy and then I'll rinse and repeat. I'll find somebody on private money club that needs a hundred grand and I'll lend it to them. So this is a fun way to do it with your business. I don't have time to really get into another cool strategy, um, but I got a YouTube video on it. It's um, a YouTube video. If you want to, write this down, whoever's listening, is um, how to get paid to drive a company car. So I've always liked G-Wagons. I, I had a, a 550 before the AMG that I have now. And what I did, I bought it with my policy, Okay, paid cash for it. And then what I did is my accountant, we needed tax write-offs. He said, well, why didn't you lease a car so we could write it off? I said, well, can I lease my car to the company? And he looked it up and he said, yeah. So what we did is we literally structured a lease arrangement. We had an attorney do it. A lease arrangement we built in an interest rate that was comparable to what other leasing companies charge which is eight percent and it gave me that payment i can't remember it was like 960 dollars a month or something so my company wrote a check for 960 bucks a month back to me personally and i just put it back in the policy so my company paid for the g-wagon that i personally owned and got the write-off for it because a lease is definitely something you can write off if you use for business. But you got to watch this video because there's some very important moving parts you got to catch on that one. Got it. So that actually, that's a perfect segue to how can people um, find out more about you? And if yeah. you're watching on our Facebook, I'm going to put the link to the YouTube video that he just mentioned um, on on our uh, Facebook comments. Um but how can people learn more about you, follow you more, and m maybe sign up for one of these policies 
with you. Yeah, so I'm not hard to find. I mean, if you guys got my name right there, N-A-U-G-L-E. Just Google that. And the first, I mean, probably my website will come up, but I'm on every social channel. And this is pretty much all I talk about is banking and, and money. So I don't care if you're a TikToker, an Instagrammer, a Facebooker. I don't know who's a Facebooker anymore or a YouTuber. I've got them all and I've got lots of videos on every single one. But the first thing I would tell everybody, if you're interested and you're still like, oh, I still don't get it, go to my website, chrisnoggle.com. And as soon as you go there, a video is going to pop up, a 90-minute video that's going to ask you to watch. Spend the time, block off 90 minutes and watch that video. That video will show you how to get all the money back for every car you ever buy, drive and own. And it will show you an example of a real client that had $468,000 in debt. And that we helped him pay it all off in six and a half years while changing nothing. He didn't save any more money or do anything different. So wow. it's a really cool example for debts and cars, but it shows you this concept. And once you watch that video, now a, a link will pop up and you can book a call with me or my team to ask any questions you want. I, know, I love the questions that were coming in and I'm sure you got more. So that's how you'll answer or ask more questions. And we'll just ask, answer all your questions. We will never try to sell you anything, but at the end of the call, if you want to start, then just ask us, hey, what's the next step? How do we get started? And we'll help you set it up. Dude, that's awesome, man. That's amazing. And, and I've met you in person now a couple of times, and every single time I have any questions or – and sometimes I feel like I'm asking a stupid question or whatever. Um, you always, always break it down to the fifth grade level. And, um, and, and I, and I actually understand some of this shit. So <laughs> cheers to that, man. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's awesome, man. Well, dude, we won't take up too much of your time. I really, really appreciate you doing this. Um, you know, we've gone back and forth and talked about, um, about doing something like this for the longest and our time is going to be freed up a little bit more now. So we we probably need to look into this way more serious than before. So um, I know when I booked you on, I was super intrigued because, like I said, we've been talking about doing this and picking your brain. And every single time, we just get a little, little more clarification on on whatever it is that's on our minds. Um, so I appreciate you doing this, man. Oh no, thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks a lot, Chris. Awesome. And anybody tuning in, if you watch this late and tuned in late. Make sure you rewatch this on our YouTube channel. And if you want to learn more from Chris, um, you can go to his website. He has a 90-minute video breaking down exactly what he does. And then you can just book a call with him and his team and just get on the phone and start talking shop. So, Chris, thanks again for doing this. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm G. Guys, and I'm Dom. And this is the, the Cash Cheeks Network. Network. Peace. Night.